0: Today on the Roasters Roundtable, we welcome David Tatum, an extremely talented coffee professional whose journey started in Boone, North Carolina at App State University. This is where he honed in on his abilities as a barista and took second-in-command at two coffee shops. Then he bought a five-kilogram roaster. This is where David's career skyrocketed, making him the co-owner and co-manager of two successful coffee businesses. David's passion for coffee didn't stop there. He made home roasting more accessible by creating informative content on roasting equipment, techniques, and knowledge. David's experience with teaching baristas shined through in his YouTube channel, The Captain's Coffee, where he shares a wealth of knowledge. After being away, David and his wife moved home to North Carolina, where they now successfully manage The Captain's Coffee. I would like everyone to give me a warm welcome for David Tatum. Let's hop into this bio. How about you tell us a little bit about how you got into the coffee industry. Mm. Well, um so
1: <laughs> uh I guess like most people, I started uh as a barista in college, um and uh just trying to make a little extra money and uh you know um <clears throat> enjoyed it, had fun, uh learned a lot about coffee, thought it was really cool, and uh, thought that was gonna be the end of it. And uh turns out it wasn't.
0: <laughs> right. So as far as uh as far as being a barista, I know you switched from being a barista to a roaster. Um, what what did you learn dealing with customers and learning the craft of being a barista when you first got into the body business? Like, what what was like the top like anxiety backer breed? Uh oh, man. <clears throat> <laughs>
1: I think just being able to talk coherently about coffee um, uh, because there's such a wide range of folks who will come in the shop, you know, uh, there's folks who their only experience with coffee is, uh, you know, a caramel macchiato from Starbucks. And there's folks who their only experience with coffee is uh, what, um, you know, they'd had at their grandma's house, you know, uh, and, <clears throat> And then there's folks who knew a lot more than me at that time. Uh, And uh, so, feeling confident talking about it and sort of developing a tone where it was really important to me not to come across as a know it all or pretentious, but still feel confident and um, be able to talk to people coherently. And, you know, I I think that was a tough one because it was easy to get frustrated sometimes, uh, uh, you know, with customers who were short. Um, but, uh, you know, just getting comfortable and, and being able to take a few blows and have some thick skin, I think helps a lot. But just in retail service industry in general, you know?
0: Right. Now, now is this is where you got bit by the coffee bug. Like, is this where you're like, all right, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. No, nah, man, I definitely, I definitely just thought, you know, I, I learned a lot of
1: cool stuff about coffee and I'll be able to impress my, my friends at parties, uh, with my, random coffee knowledge. I thought that was going to be the end of it. Um, no, it wasn't until much later. Um, I, uh, I went off and did what I actually studied for, which was music industries. And I worked at the music studio in New York and, uh, it just wasn't for me. Um, so I came back to the only job I I knew, uh, I mean, not the only job I've ever done, but you know, the one that I was most comfortable with, which is doing, you know, being a barista and, um, you know, I got to be good friends with the general manager there. And uh, I eventually told her, I was like, look, you know, I love working here, um, but you know, I, I'm at a college. I got to like start making real money now. Um, and that's another whole thing is how underpaid baristas are in general is a real shame. Um, but, and I was like, look, I, I just need to go get another job now. And uh, she was like, well, look, I, I really need to, like, I've never had this position before, but I could really use someone like directly under me is like basically a second me. And I, you know, it. hopefully I can beg enough money to stick around for a while. And uh, I was like, hey, you know what? I love working here. I'll give it a shot. And the longer I did that, the more I got to learning more about the machines, you know, a machine would break and we'd have to call a dude. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. We can either wait here till we can wait till tomorrow to get this machine working again. Uh, Or I can jump online and see if I can find a video about it or an article on a forum or Uh, so I started learning little fix little things on myself. And eventually I went to some classes in Astoria, uh, which thankfully is just down the road in Greensboro, North Carolina. And, um, after that, I started going, uh, at that time we were buying, um, coffee from counterculture coffee, which is out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, they're one of the OGs. They're still kicking doing a great job. And, um, and they offered free classes for baristas that work for shops that bought their coffee wholesale. and. I was just fascinated by, uh, learning things like, Oh, there's barista competitions where people can like win prizes for, you know, having the coolest drink or the best latte art and, um, just seeing the depth with it. Um, open my eyes to the coffee industry. Isn't just this bag thing you buy at the grocery store. That's been vacuum sealed and roasted six months ago, you know, seeing all the love that went into it. Um, you know, and the coffee industry as a whole has matured so much since then. What I present. Yeah. And we're just seeing more and more of that love and more and more people recognizing it. Um, but it was still always important to me to like maintain my roots. Um, you know, I, you know, good old country boy who, uh, grew up drinking watered down bulgers, man. You know, I, so I always approach people with this, like, we meet you where you want to go with it. You know, there's still this place for, you know, I might like craft IPAs, but if I'm at a buddy's house, all he's got is Bud Light. I'll drink a Bud Light, man. You know, I'm not going to turn you down, but you know, so that uh, teach their own. That's always sort of been my philosophy.
0: I think um, as far as the coffee industry goes, uh, I didn't like. I was in the same boat as you. I didn't know anything that had to do with coffee. I was drinking the watered down Folgers, and and when I got bit by that specialty coffee bug. I had to tell everybody like that was, I was like, Hey, you got to try this thing. Come over my house. We're going to have a pour over right now. Like immediately. So I was, was, is that what you kind of seen in yourself when you finally found out that you loved specialty coffee and, uh, and obviously we'll dive down the rabbit hole, but I had no clue that barista competitions were a thing either. So that, that was a pretty wild experience for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know,
1: like all my friends just thought, oh, you're just doing a job for beer money. And, uh, you know, I would geek out on coffee and they were just like, all right, dude. And, and I think that kind of gave me some perspective, you know, that like, you got to bring people to this. Some of us like you and me, like immediately just like fell in love with it. other people just need some time to kind of like acclimate to it. And you got to meet people where they are, you know, you know, but uh, yeah, some of us, I guess we were kind of built for it. It just is fascinating. You know,
0: hundred percent. So, so some of the guys that I, I work with, they're in the same boat I was as well, but they, like you said, they aren't coming around to it that much. Like I, I remember, you know, we had a guy that I worked with and I was like, you got to try this. I have some fresh beans from Honduras that I just roasted, you know, so I made him a four over and uh, he goes, it's just like coffee, man. That's what he said. And I was like, I tried not to feel disrespected and I was like, Hey, Hey, two inches is owned. Well, I
1: mean, and I think that's like, I tell people that are just getting into coffee and they're still excited about it, but you know, they're like, I don't taste all the things you taste. And I'm, you know, I, the, the your palate is like a muscle, man. You got to train it. You got to refine it. You got to define it. Um, and that takes practice and it's a marathon. And, um, you know, I don't expect, uh, I, I always try to pick when I'm introducing people to something um, unusual in coffee for them. Pick something really intense, you know? So it's like, there's no way you miss this. Um, and then I'll still be surprised sometimes uh, at people just won't even taste what I'm talking about. Um, and, I, you know, it's hard. Like you said, you got to be like not offended, like, okay,
0: I put a lot of effort into this. <laughs> right. You know? So did you kind of learn that with uh, cupping a little bit when you started to get this? This is where you kind of started developing your sense and taste of all the different notes that coffee has to offer per region.
1: Yeah, and I, I took some cupping classes. Um, I've been to several cupping classes myself, and uh, I took one with Counterculture, and that was another eye-opening moment for me too. Uh, you know, learning about the scoring system and how to evaluate coffee, and, and over time, I've sort of um, developed the philosophy that uh, it, it, roasters, professional coffee pros, use cupping because it's across the board. Uh, apples to apples, right? We're not adding any water temperature variables. We're not adding any vessel variables. We're not adding, it's just like a bowl, water at this temp, this amount of coffee. You know what I mean? There's no variables we could all talk about it because we need to be speaking the same language when we're comparing when I'm talking to my importer, when I'm talking to a farmer, when I'm talking to a customer, we need to all be talking the same language, right? But I think people get intimidated by cupping they make it up as something that it's not. And so, you know, I say like, Hey, if you drink this same pour over every day, you're, you're evaluating your coffee, you know, you're evaluating as long as you, you keep the variables the same, uh, as, as to the same as you can, you know, I'm pulsing this many times or this much of a dosage, then you're evaluating your coffee and you're roasting and everything. You know, you you may not be doing it in quite as an apples to apples way as we are, but the important thing is to take notes, take notes, develop um, an overtime thing. You know, can I taste this in this coffee, roast two different coffees, like 15 seconds in time apart. And can I taste what that extra 15 seconds did? If I make two pour over side by side, you know, you don't need to cup them. Right. You're not covered with it.
0: Yeah. Now, did you do this before you got, big into like roasting or was this after you bought the five kilogram roaster? Uh, no, I learned cupping, um, back when I was still just a barista,
1: um, okay. <clears throat> managing the shops. Yeah. Yeah. And I think honestly, uh, for anyone looking to get into roasting, um, <clears throat> it's a great foundation. I'm working with a barista right now. Um, he, he's picked up roasting and, um, he's, uh, I, I think it just gives you such a huge foundation. It's a leg up and, but Oddly enough, I feel like good baristas seem to be a lot of times the most intimidated to roast. And I think there's two reasons behind that. One, they they do understand how very how the variations, you know what I mean? They do understand how complex coffee is. And two, they've been working with these really good roasters their whole lives. And they must think there's a special sauce they have that they don't have. You know and I like, oh it's too much to learn I could never start re- learning it uh, so oddly enough I find that baristas are the most reticent to get into it it's uh it's funny to me but uh they're definitely the most capable and they, they pick it up the fastest you know they, they they have the opposite what's the opposite of a handicap
0: <laughs> right gotcha <laughs> so now when when someone is getting into gupping and mm-hmm. you don't have to go to it definitely but when someone's getting into it what what do you teach someone initially, like what they're looking for? Like if I was to tell someone, hey, get you some fresh drink coffee and just just practice cupping without taking a class. Let's say it's not available in their area, you know, or a coffee shop. What kind of tips or hints you'd give someone just to get the bare basics out of the way to understand the pop? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: first, <clears throat> you need an evaluation form you feel comfortable with. Um, and I think uh, if you go on the SCA website, it can be intimidating because, like, their evaluation form looks like I don't know, it just looks insane. There's so much going on. Uh, so pick a handful of attributes you're comfortable picking out, you know, brightness versus, uh, dullness in the cup, sweetness versus, uh, a lack of sweetness, uh, complexity versus balance, you know, um, you know our evaluation chart that we that we share with people is much more simple than the SCA one. It's it's more of just like a gradient for a handful of attributes. Pick those, print them off, write them down, whatever. Have a log. You need to take notes because otherwise, uh, even if you have a great memory, taking notes and taking good notes is the first thing to learn or to have down. I think more than anything else. Um, secondly, you know. Uh, have the basic equipment. You absolutely have to have a scale. Um, you can't do cupping without a scale. You can't volumetric it. It's got to be. Uh, wait, I always get these two backwards. There's volume. Yeah. Uh, you got to be able to weigh it out, um, you know, and then get an appropriate sized mug. It's got to be able to hold like 200 milliliters or so of liquid oh yeah. and uh, a decent grinder. Pick a grind size that you're used to. Honestly, I think grind size is one of the least important things with cupping, personally. Um, medium is fine, (laughs) you know, um, and then just have a consistent, you know, protocol that you repeat. And if you want to follow the SCA protocol, that's great. Um, but they're using like sieves to pull out to the micron, you know, the sample and all this other stuff. But I think it's more important for you to know your variables, your grinder, your, um, you know, what you're comfortable with and then just do it, man. Just, just do it. Right. <laughs> you got to, uh, do, do, and do some more. That's a sure part of it.
0: Yeah. So that, I, I feel like that, that really is a huge tool when you're getting in to roasting. I think, I think if you already know the background, like you were saying, like you understand how to develop the coffee at that point, you're like, Hey, I, I'm really want to pull these notes out. And I think pupping is an amazing tool. 100%. Yeah taste your work man that's that's the best teacher there is you
1: know uh and oh the other thing i was going to suggest um a lot of people miss this when they're first learning cupping try it when it's hot and then when it's room time because the cup can completely change um and in fact if you go to a lot of big professional roasteries they'll just like or the they'll pull samples from all the batches they did the day before and send them up on a table and leave them out all day and people can come through and, and take notes. And, you know, cause honestly it, we think of coffee as this thing you drink hot, but I swear you'll really quickly see how much the, the coffee can transform as it cools.
0: Right. So when you now, when you were at at State University, is this where you bought your five kilogram roaster or were you already graduated at this point? <laughs> Oh, I
1: I was graduated. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd gone off and I'd come back. Um, and then I worked, I was a barista, barista manager, head barista, whatever for, um, about five years just doing that and focusing on the tech side and the barista side. And then one of the baristas, well, two, they both worked there, a husband and wife. Um, they went off and started their own coffee shop and, um, uh, you know, I helped them out with a couple things here and there, nothing major. And then uh, a couple years into it, um, the, the guy Josiah, he approached me and was like, Hey, what do you know about roasting? And, uh, nothing. Uh, but I'd love to learn. It sounds like fun. And, um, you know, that's when we got introduced to the people who at that time owned the captain's coffee and, uh, me and Josiah started learning roasting. And after about, I don't know, three, six months of like really, really practicing a ton, tasting all the coffee we roasted, uh, practicing blending, all this other stuff. Um, we, uh, we decided to go all in, you know, and then we, that's when we bought the big roaster. We went down to, um, Ambex Roasters in Clearwater, Florida. And, um, uh, we picked a roaster from, uh, a mayor down there, great guy. And, um, Put it in the back of my pickup truck and drove it back to North Carolina, man. It was that's a, awesome. It was fun. It was
0: an adventure. One hundred percent. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah. that's a story that everyone should admire. One hundred percent. Especially like the just starting from the bare bones bottom and, and starting out. That that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. If you know, well, I mean, we had a lot of pieces. We had a lot of pieces in place because he already had the coffee shop,
1: so we already had a customer. You know what I mean? I think that helps a lot and it stops a lot of people from investing uh, and from making such big leaps. You know, we had the background as being baristas. We had the background of learning home roasting. Uh, We probably weren't as good of roasters as we should have been (laughs) to start selling people roasted coffee. Uh, Absolutely, man. You never stop learning, dude, for sure. Um, But yeah, yeah. And we had a few more pieces in place than just like, jump in and go
0: buy a roaster. So I think that that gets left out of the story sometimes. Right. There's a, there's a thrill when you first start out with roasting, like there's like, you know, the first two or three batches, you know, you might think they taste good, but they're just awful, you know, but but they're your batches, you know? So it's, oh, yeah. I just like seeing the developmental portions of uh, most roasters careers like that. That is very enjoyable for me. And, and I really love a story where someone started from the bottom and they're like, Hey, they found their passion and now it's their niche. And you know, you're just, you know, developing your passion and your career along with it. And then, you know, who knows where it'll go, you know? For sure, man. Yeah. No, and
1: it's like you said, I mean, uh, I, a, I, I thought when I first got into coffee 15 years ago that I loved it, but I didn't. It's 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 like it just grew, you know. As I learned more, as I got into the complexity of it, as I dove in and knew how little I knew, you know, like I only got more and more interested because it's like um there's nothing. You never get bored. There's nothing to get bored of. There there's so much, you know. Once you start getting it roasting, you start learning processing. You start, you know, talking to farmers and importers and start learning, you know uh just the culture around it, meeting people, you know, like this. It's somebody's always got a different perspective, a different way to look at things. Yeah, it's you never get
0: bored. I guess it's it's easy to be sustained right. passionate about something that's always got something going on. Right. So when you first dove right into this and you're like, hey, I'm gonna start selling some beans. Let's make this happen. Now, what what kind of uh, stressors did you have? Uh, were you 100% all in knowing you saw the brick wall or were you a little hesitant and, and nervous about the whole process? Uh, you know, honestly, the uh, I mean, thankfully, uh, you know, Josiah
1: and his wife had their coffee shop and I still had my job as a shop manager uh, to lean on to. So we weren't like, you know, we're all in and bust. I mean, sure, we'd spent, a huge amount of money for us at that age. Um, but um, you know, we we figured worst case scenario, we can pay the, the loans that we owe with our jobs if it fails. Um and uh no honestly the things that are the most stressful were all the details, uh packaging, labels. Uh, someone needs to design us a logo. Do you know anything about graphic design? I don't know anything about graphic design with the logo. (laughs) What's a vector file? Uh, what's a heat sealer? Uh, oh my gosh, there's like all these little considerations. Should we sell 12 ounces or one pound? Well, how do we come, how do we price it? You know, like for us, uh, and that's the, the, the best advice I give to people now when they're thinking about starting roasting is, uh, the little details that will come back and bite you. I I feel like I'm getting red in the face i being embarrassed thinking about it because, uh, it, it feels so obvious to me now. Um, those little things, uh, the, the business side of it, the marketing side of it, the, the branding side of it, you know, um, that's the side I don't feel most folks give enough consideration. Maybe it's people that think about things differently than I do, but for me it was all about just roasting coffee, you know, um, and that's my least favorite part of it, but having to get better that out of the years is something I've begrudgingly done. So,
0: so once, once this ball started rolling for you, um, about one, how did it feel once you started gaining traction and mm. two, what were some of the difficulties you faced while progressing? Hmm. All right. Let me, let me hear the first part of that question again. So when you had so let's uh, one, once this ball, once the ball started rolling and you were, you were like, okay, this is mm-hmm. something I have something here. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the main issues you were dealing with? Once the ball started rolling where you're like, okay, this is good, but I'm having to deal with this now. And mm-hmm. two, how did you handle them pretty much?
1: <laughs> um. I, I think and maybe they're not as unique as I think they are because I think a lot of people get into roasting as a side hustle. Uh, but for me, it, it really was more about um, like managing so many different uh, spinning plates, you know, because all right, I've still got this full-time job and uh, now I'm roasting. How many hours a week can I dedicate to that? And, you know, then it's like, oh, we have to go hustle for wholesale accounts so if we really want to grow this so we can so I can leave my full-time job. And then, you know, my business partners have different goals than me. Um, that was uh, you know, and they're wonderful people. I did not want to speak ill of them, but like we just we would clash sometimes because they had different places they wanted to put their energy than I did. Um, you know, uh, because they had other different plates spinning than I did. And so what ended up happening for us was Uh, And then, you know, a year after we got really going, Captain's Coffee folks approached us and that seemed like the perfect bit of the time, the perfect way to expand and keep, you know, the momentum going. Um, But then I just kind of found myself just trying to keep all the balls in the air and um, not really able to just care about any one thing enough to do it um, as good as I wanted to. And that kind of like left me stressed out. Uh, Um, people who are better at multitasking than me probably want to have that problem. Um, but you know, managing that for me, um, you know, I just tried to keep uh, my customers happy and what I couldn't do is I didn't feel like I had the room to improve and that bugged me. Um, I really, I got into this because I wanted to learn more and I wanted to uh, go to more classes and read more articles and, um, try different things. And, uh, I didn't have time to do that part of it. So I found myself stagnating. Um, and, uh, it, and that just bugged me more than anything else, I think, cause I was keeping my customers happy, you know? Uh, but that just took up all my time. Um, and after a few years of that, um, it just kind of reached a breaking point for me where I was like, you know, and then my wife and I had decided we were going to we wanted to move. And I was like, this is a great time for me to just simplify and pick one of these and do it well. And just really focus on that. And, uh, even after, you know, I took over the captain's coffee alone and took that with me to the West coast. Um, maybe I'm skipping ahead in my bio here. <laughs> totally fine. It's totally fun. We can come back and address how I got there, but right. I'm trying to answer your, your question. Uh, even once we, we, Got and I got settled and I dove into it. I still tried, I went and bought a small, small production roaster, an Ileo bullet. Uh it's popular with home roasters too. So I figured I was killing two birds with one stone, learning a new roaster, and I could also sell retail coffee, roasted coffee along with greens, because I thought that just had to be a piece of the puzzle for me. Uh that ended up frustrating me. So I stopped doing it. I now only sell green coffee. I now only focus on teaching people home roasting. And I'm so much more satisfied, like just really dig. So I think that's, that part is the part that's unique to me. It fit my personality to do one thing well than to try to do a bunch of things. Okay. You know? Um, So I don't know if
0: that works for everybody, but it was important for me, you know? For sure. And uh, so now, now that you've got it, you've gotten really successful as far as, you know, working under two successful businesses, uh, being a co-owner, when was the time where you were like, hey, I'm going into the home roasting industry. Like, I I want to start putting my content on YouTube and I think people should should pursue this if this is their interest. Yeah, Um.
1: so when we ended up buying the captain's coffee, it was really, I'll be honest, a, a business decision more than anything else. Um, it made sense. You know, it's kind of like that, um, you know, I guess I'm not sure if it's horizontal or vertical integration, my business miners failing me. Um, but we, we saw it as like, Oh, we already have green beans here because we roast them. Why not sell them to people online? It just made sense. You know, it felt like it just integrated into our flow. It wasn't adding that much workflow for us. Um, and, uh, and, and I could relate to home roasters cause I'd learned roasting and like I could help the customers and I knew my beans. So that part wasn't a problem, but what never really occurred to me, um, was that these folks needed resources. Um, if you want to grow this I didn't, I didn't care about the community the way I do now, you know, now like I, I'm, I'm looking for people who are just afraid of they're interested, but they're afraid of taking a step cause it's intimidating um, Or, you know, um, they feel dumb when they're talking to people or whatever. I, I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, uh, there weren't a lot of resources. And I wasn't helping with that because I was over here with my huge roaster and, you know, my programs and, like, the people I was talking to. And it was just a part of my life. You know, when it's your job, you just pick up stuff. You know, you just... <laughs> you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, uh, coming from their position, you know, of like, oh, I'm having, cause there's nothing out there. I mean, you got to go like just Google and find, there's a handful of good forums, like home barista's got a great forum, but, um, there's some Facebook groups popping up. Um, but at that time there was hardly anything on YouTube if there, and there was maybe a handful of books and most of them were like, working on roasting techniques from two decades. Yeah, that one wasn't, a, was that one around? Hold on,
0: is it? it yeah, I, don't, on. I don't know. I don't know what date uh, this one I have to look and then, you know, how to make the best coffee. But right. I, I, James Hoffman is amazing. Uh, all, all of his information. And then also uh, Scott Rayo's book for uh, yeah. the roast. Yeah. yeah, so that there's some yeah. books out there, but like what you're talking about, like there's hardly any information out there.
1: Right. I mean, I, I don't think Scott's books were out yet. And those are kind of a handbook now for pro roasters. Um, but even Scott says himself in his books, like these things don't necessarily apply to small scale electric roasters, especially air powered ones. Like, right. Uh, I remember in one of his books, he essentially is just like, <laughs> you know, but, um, You know, he's built his entire understanding of roasting and because he's a consultant professionally around working with gas fired, huge steel, huge iron and steel drum roasters. And those just operate from a completely different understanding of the process. I mean, uh, the fundamentals are all the same. You're still going to get first crack and, you know, you're still going to, you know, have a a Maillard reaction and all this other stuff, but um, like getting your hands around it and and getting people comfortable with it. There's nothing. it's like that straight to pro level stuff. Right. You know? What about the dude who's, who's buying an air roaster for a few hundred dollars? There's nothing out there for him. You know, it's like turn it on. Good luck. Right <laughs> know? for sure. sure. So I, uh, this is a really long way of saying I, uh, I simply didn't like understand what they were going through and, um, I didn't relate cause I, I, I wasn't trying to, you know, and, uh I was just trying to keep all my plates spinning and it wasn't till, um, I just took the captain's coffee and, uh, I, you know, as you know, I took the captain's coffee, my partner took, uh, the roaster. And, uh, so I didn't have that big shop roaster to lean on anymore. And, uh, so I had to go buy a new SR 800 because I didn't even have the latest model of fresh roast at that time. And I'm telling you, I plugged that thing in and immediately felt like a fraud um, right. you know, because here I was selling these roasters and I hadn't even tried this model yet. And I was like, that's, that's wrong, you know? And so I really had like a, uh, uh, coming to Jesus moment, a heart to heart with myself. And I was like, I, I've got to learn this from the ground up. And as I started doing that, uh, I I remembered, um, <laughs> I remembered all these YouTube videos that the previous owners from back in 2015 had put up and I just went to look at it and I saw that some of them were still getting views. Like this is still helping people. People are still finding this after, you know, I guess it have been six, five or six years at this time. And uh yeah, that sort of inspired me to give it a shot. I, I grabbed my phone and uh used the phone on my mic and made our very first video and it's still the one that's up but it's still got more views than any other videos and since then i've gotten like a nice camera i'm not using it today because right it's more convenient for this but i still got like a nice camera i've got like you know the mics and stuff um and i learned how to actually do video editing <laughs> right Uh but that first video still has more views than any of our other videos period you know and that keeps me going
0: so what so let's let's go into the channel right so You started the channel up. What was your overall intent or your goal with the channel? Now, did you you expect to do all of the videos that you have done on equipment or what was the entire purpose from the start of it? Uh,
1: Honestly, the goal from the get-go was, um, I kind of approached it from like, I would get these phone calls and emails every day, right? And a lot of them were the same question um, with maybe a slight spin on it, right? So I figured, okay, Um, maybe I'll just pick some of the big things like this whole roaster. What are the, like, what's the basic baseline that I should use to get started with it? Just to get like a roast out the door and get an understanding and a feel for the controls. I was like, great. There's a video. Boom. And then it was like, okay, I don't understand light roasting or I don't, you know, what is natural processing? I was like, okay, I combine those two things into one video. And great, you know, and that's sort of how it started. And then people kept coming with more questions and then now we're adding more gear. And of course things are changing every year. And like, I'm so it's now I'm I'm sort of looking at it as like an evolving thing. And then, um, and it's become sort of everybody looks at me for this specific roaster now because it's our most sold roaster. And I started from a place of this is where I get the most questions. That's where I'm focusing. Um, so I want to now start, um, focusing more and more on just like general roasting concepts because uh, thankfully as home roasting is growing, they're becoming more machines out there. It's becoming um, there's more options. I also want to make people feel comfortable all the way down to like picking up a pan, putting it over an open flame. Like I'm going to roast my coffee that way, you know? Um, so I'm going to try to eventually hit it from a lot of angles, but it started from that place of this is the roaster we sell the most because it's accessible and it's the least expensive. And I appreciate that, so I'm gonna try to get you rolling from you know, get you off the ground with it
0: more than anything else. So, when when you first started, did you did you feel like your time as a barista really made it easy to to explain in real detail to the to the person viewing your videos?
1: Um. Yeah. So, uh, one of my favorite jobs um, when I was a head barista was training incoming baristas um i um i actually almost switched majors halfway through college uh to become a teacher um and uh i mean i'm glad i didn't because i probably would just be a teacher now uh, right. <laughs> instead of this and i'm pretty happy doing this um and uh but i almost did and uh i just loved learning and i loved finding ways to talk to people about things uh i think specifically the like i always tried to have an approach um, the more I talk to someone, the more I, I take feedback from talking to them, how they like to be talked to, you know, and that's harder on like a YouTube video or something. So I just right. sort of developed a style style for how I talk about things. And I try to find a, like a least common denominator. I try to keep things simple uh, right. while also, while also hitting like the actual concepts, like, you know, we call it the Maillard reaction. This is the Maillard phase. Most people don't even know how to spell that. So i mean, be like the Maillard or caramelization or browning phase. I don't walk right. around during the day being like, uh, Hey, so, uh, on this coffee, we had a very long Maillard or browning or Carmel, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. But I tried, you know, these are words that might help it stick in people's head because it's what made right. it stick in my head. And maybe you don't use the word Maillard in your day-to-day life, but if you hear someone, another roaster you're talking to use it now, you know what they're saying, you know, but right. um, so like presenting things in a, I try to just think, keep things comfortable, you know, and let enough of my nerdiness come out to where, you know, people feel okay. Being a geek sometimes, you know,
0: for sure. All right. So we can either circle back around to what took you out to the West coast, or we can dive right on into equipment. I will leave that up to you, sir. You're the host boss, right? So, okay. So let's do equipment because I'm dying to know what really got you into the fresh roast.
1: Uh, Like I said, um, you know, when we got to the West coast and I no longer had my, um, big five kilo drum roaster, um, I needed to catch up to what I was selling and I figured, Hey, you know, like I'll just get the latest model of fresher that at that time, it was the least expensive roaster we sell. So I figured, uh, the most people be interested in it because it's got the lowest bar for entry. Um, and I'm like, if I can't learn to roast on this, then I need to stop selling it and go find something else to sell, you know? So I, I bought one and I did a lot of research and I spent a lot of time learning on it. And, um, the more time I spent with it, the honestly, the more impressed I was with it. But I, I kind of always looked at home roasting as a stepping stone for people. You know, uh, I start here with the fresh roast. And then I upgraded this roaster and then I upgraded this roaster, you know, sort of like swapping things out and uh, that's how I had looked at fresh roast roasters for the longest time. Um, you know, the same way I might look at a popcorn popper, right? Like, Oh, I don't want to make a big investment to learn roasting. So, Hey, just hop on Amazon, buy a $25 popcorn popper and just like, try it out, see what you like. It's not a huge investment. Next step is a fresh roast. It's like a popcorn popper, but better, you know? And then what's the step after that? Um, so, but the more time I spend with it, man, um, especially once I got to try, um, the extension tube and then I discovered this guy in California who was making these custom chambers and I got to meet him and talk to him and, and try out his tube. The more I saw it was capable of, and it just impressed me so much. I mean, now we roast most of this, of the coffees we get in, um, like our sample roast for cupping. I mean, of course we sample everything that comes to the door, but most of those roasts are done using the sr 800. A, because I think it's really important for me to taste what our customers are tasting the way they're tasting it. And right. B, because I honestly think I can get like a really viable cupping level roast out of it. Um, that I'm feel really comfortable evaluating our coffees. And uh, I'll often go back and double check myself on the roasters, like the Ileo bullet and, uh, there are times I'm more impressed with my fresh roast roast than the bullets roast. Um, so I, and I guess all that comes back to, I focused on it originally because it was the least common denominator in my head. Now I'm still excited about it because I think it's an extremely under, um, appreciated roaster. I, I think it's incredibly good for the price point. I don't think, um, I love that, like the Ginny cafe. Um, I think it's great, uh, for different reasons. I've got a whole video on that. I won't won't dive into and spend another 30 minutes talking about that. Um, But I think they represent two sides of the spectrum for someone who wants to really nerd out and really have the capability to play with every single variable, the fresh roast, you can do it seriously. Uh, Especially once you've modified it, added a temp probe using the the extension tube or the Razo tube, the Genie cafe, way smaller, um, you know, sort of range of potential. But it's at least simpler. You know, it's plug and play. Sure. Everybody can roast good coffee on that thing. Right. Um, But between those two, if you're talking about purely that like minutia level of control and the fidgetiness of it, like the ability to really dial it, I don't think there's another roaster um, below $1,500 out there, Uh, maybe even below $2,000 that can do as good as the Fresh roots can do it. Like I said, you're going to invest in it, you know, modify it, but I still think you're at 500 bucks max. And that just blows my mind. There isn't anything in that gap. Right. Right. Um, So that's why I'm passionate about it because I've always believed, um, you know, the more you can get lower the bar for entry for people uh, who have means, you don't have to have means in order to get started on this and to get into it. Um which is once again, like I also want to make some videos on pan roasting so that if all you got sitting around the house is an old, you know, steel
0: pan, you can start coffee roasting, you know? Right. So what is your take on the fresh roast versus the Ikala sample roaster? Mm-hmm. Like if someone, so if someone, so I know that that's, that's a real hot topic right now. A lot of people are buying the Ikala. So I, right. I wanted to know your, I wanted to pick your brain on that because I was a little on the fence because I love the fresh roast and now they got these sample roasters out that you can just dial in. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are.
1: Um, You know, I guess because I come at it from the retail side of this, like helping customers choose what's right for them. I always put everything in kind of like a value spectrum, right? Because you know, odds are you spend more money on something, you get more out of it. Um, But how much do I have to spend to get the best bang for that buck and the akawa is an amazing roaster and i think if you're a professional um i think it's definitely it'll it'll be there for you it, it's great it's much better at sample roasting um it's much less um it's much more intuitive it's much easier simpler and a pro needs something that's fast works every time and like is um easy you don't have to nearly fidget nearly as much you know press the button i chose my profile good to go. There's my sample roasted. Um, the fresh roast requires a lot more input from you, but it's fraction of the price. So, so for people just getting started, uh, who think they might want to go pro or for people who are operating on a budget at home, it's, it's apples to oranges, you know, it's two different use cases in my mind. I sure. guess that's what I mean. Um, so yeah, the, was a better roaster. In general,
0: but like I'm on the I'm I'm on the same side as you, as I feel like it is an apples to oranges type of thing, and I and I know that there's a, there's plenty of debates out there on the two, so I I figured I would pitch your take on it. You, you might as well compare a Maserati and a Honda, you know, right. like <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of both will get you around the track, both will get you to and from work, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. All right, now let's circle back. To you going out to the west coast so give me a little bit of detail on that
1: uh yeah so um uh, my, my well we were dating at the time um but we uh we went out to um the we went out to oregon near portland uh early on when we started dating around 2016 and um we were out there and we just kind of fell in love with the landscape we've always been outdoorsy um and uh we just love being outside and uh you know everything's just bigger out there. The mountains are bigger. The, the cliffs are bigger. The trees are bigger, you know? And we just were like, you know, fascinated. Um, and, uh, just loved being outside. And, um, you know, we came back and, and of course we still live in the Blue Ridge mountains. Absolutely gorgeous. Once again, kind of apples to oranges, you know, right. uh, love them for different reasons. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we eventually got married after we came back from that trip and, uh, had our son and, um, you know, I was, I was dealing with this thing with my businesses, like that I mentioned earlier, you know, that that's the long version of that story. You know, I was getting kind of frustrated that I didn't feel like I was growing anywhere. I didn't but. feel like I was able to focus on any one thing. Um, and just, I, my business partner was kind of focusing on some other things and like we were going in two different directions and, um, and, uh, uh, my wife was kind of unhappy with the, uh, the job she was at, at that time. And we were just kind of at a crossroads. It's like, Hey, let's do something stupid. Let's right. just move across the country, <laughs> and, you know? And, um, so we did, and, and that's why we split the business the way we did. Um, and we had a ball out there. Um, a lot of fun, um, met lots of great people. Um, you know, love the outdoors out there, but, uh, you know, as our son got a little older got a little closer to kindergarten age, um, we really started to understand that it takes a village to raise a kid saying, right. and uh, we wanted him to grow up around his cousins and uh, his, his grandparents. Um, and, you know, we were a little homesick, the Blue Ridge mountains uh, and the uh, Carolinas, you know, they may, the mountains may not be as tall and the trees as big, but it's home, man. You know, something about it feels comfortable. Yes, Um, so we, uh, we came on back and as we did that, um, my wife, um, you know, we were Captain's Coffee was growing considerably and it was becoming, I was working seven days a week. Um, you know, that last eight, nine, 10 months I was, I was in the shop seven days a week, filling orders, answering emails, making videos. I eventually just, I I ran out of time if anybody watches my YouTube, uh, like timeline, there's like a six, seven month period where I just didn't even put any videos out. Cause I was like, oh, yeah. I just didn't have time to, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, and I really wanted to get back to that. And I wanted to help people with that. And, um, uh, so we, we needed someone else. We need more help. And, um, you know, my wife was uh, in healthcare and, uh, she was reaching some, um, uncomfortable truths about the way that, that business works and uh, she wasn't happy with what she was seeing and uh, she was frustrated. And, you know, I was like, well, I know it's going to be a huge pay cut for you, uh, but I could really use some help around here. Do you feel like working with me? And she was like, yes, 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 yes. Are you sure? Are you sure we can take that pay cut? And I was like, no, but uh, we'll,
0: we'll try. <laughs> right. <laughs> So now that you moved back to North Carolina uh, during that time, how much different was the coffee culture and scene in North Carolina mm. by the time you got back?
1: Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Two, two and a half years um, max. And, um, and maybe it's because the circles I was running in um, online and on the ground. And, and now I'm way more in touch with my customers uh, than I was when I left. Um, but it sure feels like the scene has really, really gotten bigger and gotten more complex and more in depth. Um, and maybe that's because, you know, it's like that get going back to that thing. It's like, um, there's, it never gets boring. There's always something new coming about there's new forms of processing now and there's new developments in the way we roast and the way, right. um, you know and um so uh that's a very long way to answer your question it's gotten bigger (laughs) and it's gotten deeper and there's more people in it and uh those people have cool ideas um and i'm also seeing some pushback from the old guard um of the industry you know i feel like um i'm probably not the first person to say this but i think we're kind of we're 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 coming into like a fourth wave of coffee as our understanding of it deepens and our culture of it deepens right. and i think there's some resistance to that um i think there's some people who have been in it as long as i have or longer than i have um and i got into it in you know 16 17 years ago and i think there's even people my age who've been in it as long as i have and some of them are pushing back um, it's scary. Change is scary. And, and when you've built right. your, your business or your life or your career around it, it can feel threatening. Um, and I think that's how some people feel. And, uh, it's easier just when things stay the same. Uh, but I don't know. I think new blood is important to keeping
0: the, 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 the industry exciting. A hundred percent. And I think, uh, I think this new wave of coffee, uh, coffee is awesome and it's exciting. Like, like you said, the more it's more in depth. And I, I'm really enjoying more people flocking to specialty coffee, honestly. Um, they're wanting better quality. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about that I think is really important is going from fair trade to direct trade with farms and, mm-hmm. and, you know, making sure that coffee farmers are taken care of. So, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I have a lot to say about that, actually. Um <clears throat> Uh, and, and honestly, I'll, I'll admit my understanding of it is a little flawed and I don't know everything. Um, uh, but what I do know, uh, I'm happy to talk about passionately. Um, you know, and fair trade is something is kind of one of those dirty little secrets in coffee and, um, that I think people who know, know that it's, it's not that fair and that it's kind of become a marketing thing, sort of like organic, um, because we work with a ton of farmers who use fully organic farming practices, but they literally can't afford uh, to get certified because they're too busy, like building infrastructure, like schools and, and showers for their workers. Um, you know, so it's, it's things like that where they, they backfired on us. Um, and uh, direct trade, I think is an extremely useful concept because it takes that out of it. No, but it's impossible to put in writing. It's impossible to say what, you know, okay. So I went to the farmer and I negotiated a fair price on what does fair mean? Um, right. That's questions we're going to have to grapple with moving forward. Um. Oh, this coffee's farm gate. Okay. Well, I bought this from an importer. They might've negotiated it at that farmer's farm gate. It's not direct trade. Is, is farm gate going to become the new marketing stamp we put on things? What does it mean? Right. Um, and I think we're grappling with some of those, uh, things now. What always pains me is when the farmers who, or they're hardened because I, I fully believe that if the farmers aren't doing amazing job, they're the ones truly behind some of the more revolutionary things we're seeing anaerobic processing, uh, Cougie processing. Um, you know, geisha, uh, single variety, single cultivar, bourbons, you know, all these strange and cool and delicious things we're seeing come out now that are really exciting. The farmers are really driving that. Right. Um, and you know, and, uh, it's really our job as roasters not to mess up their work, <laughs> not to take For something they, they've they slaved over and screwed it up. Honestly, all we got to do is just put the icing on the cake. Um, and so it does bother me that they are, um, you know, are working so hard and uh, aren't, you know, aren't receiving the, um, you know, the living wage in some cases, uh, uh, much less their workers. Um, so it is important that we grapple with that, but we don't get caught in the weeds or we don't get caught up in the bureaucracy of, oh, fair trade, this agreement from the 90s um, that actually wasn't fair and exploits these people uh well we still do it and we still stamp it on our bags and you know and i I guess anything direct trades better than nothing you know (laughs) so but it's not the the slam dunk that we've been led to believe that it is and as long as you buy fair trade coffee that farmer's you know doing great it's not true uh and we got to be careful with these new concepts like farmgate, uh, don't just become the same thing, you know, right. right? To have honest, difficult conversations. Um, because I mean, we all have to make a living along this chain. You know, we all, we all do have to, to be able to afford, we can't keep doing this and keep caring about coffee if we can't pay rent or our mortgage. So, um, farmers are in the exact same boat. Um, so, that's gonna be a difficult thing because man, as soon as money gets involved, things get complicated. But I'm glad that we are having those conversations now and trying to make sure everybody's taking care of everybody's motivated and everybody's, you know, getting what they need out
0: of it. For sure. Um, I think that it's one of the biggest issues is most people don't understand where their coffee comes from. Um Absolutely. and they don't and they don't know what it takes or what goes into their cup of coffee. You know, most people don't understand that their average daily coffee habit. It takes 250 cherries, hand picked, just for them to have that coffee brewed for the day. That's mm-hmm. nine in thousand, yeah, a year. That's just <laughs> yeah. That's you know, that's one person, you know. Yeah. And if you look at the coffee culture in America, be it mass production coffee or specialty coffee, that is a lot of hand picked cherries, right? Or and we have,
1: I mean, we have a fairly disposable culture, anyways, um, and I, you know, but. Man, I feel like coffee is one of those, one of the worst offenders, uh, is that it's just an ingredient or, and that's fine, man. Once again, I'm not here to tell people how to enjoy their coffee. I'm really not. Uh, but there, there does need to be a bit more, um, appreciation. You, you can do whatever you want with it once you've paid for it, as far as I'm concerned, you know, but (laughs) you got to understand if it came to you cheap, it's probably because somebody in that value line, uh, got exploited, got left out of of that uh, exchange. You know, nothing comes free. Somebody's losing if we're getting it, you know, crazy
0: cheap. For sure. Hopefully, everyone starts moving forward and having a uh, more deep appreciation. Uh, well, so- you do. The only the last thing I'll say about that is
1: the only other thing you've got to watch out for is people on the opposite end of that spectrum. The people who are exploiting this great, um, you know, awakening to that reality, uh, and, and profiting off of it, um, uh, right. you know, over, uh, that comes back kind of the fair trade stamp. We, we do have to be aware that it's not okay for someone to charge a premium just because, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, (laughs) that premium can't just all go in your pocket. (laughs) It's got to go. So that's got to go to the farmer too, you know? So those are, those are going to be the things that we have hard conversations about because uh, otherwise um, uh, people are going to lose trust in the industry. People have to be able to trust that we mean, we say, and we say what we mean, you know? Right.
0: Okay. So one last thing for the listeners before we get off here, if someone is starting out roasting, and they had a path. So like a, a long path calendar of like what they need to do, what they need to buy from beginning to end. What steps do they need to go or what steps do they need to take and what facet do they need to go in? <sighs>
1: Uh like a like if someone were looking to become a um a pro roaster or a, like a, a home roaster
0: hobbyist. Just so the conversation me and you've had personally outside the podcast, pretty much what mm-hmm. levels do people need to take, like when it comes to upgrading equipment or just moving their way up the ladder as far as being a mm-hmm. roaster, be it home roaster or pro roaster. I guess it could go either or what levels yeah, and Cess would you take? It
1: certainly could go. I mean, yeah, and, and there have been plenty, like I said, there's a ton of pro roasters who start uh as home roasters and then turn into a side hustle and then it just evolves. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I guess I kind of answer it from that perspective. Um, you know, I I think the important thing, really, honestly, truly, is to uh go um whatever your budget will allow you to, you know, uh, kind of kind of it won't be a big swing for you, but like the highest your budget will allow, you should go out and buy a roaster. Uh, uh, whether that's a a, a popcorn popper, um, you know, or an SR800, um, and uh, you probably don't need anything higher than that. I'm being perfectly honest, um, and uh, just get it. Start playing around with it. Watch a couple YouTube videos, uh, but just start roasting. Buy, um, buy more. Coffee, spend more on coffee to mess up than you spend on your roaster. You know, you're going to be going through a lot of coffee because you can, I can tell you things all day long. Um, but practice is what's going to be the way better teacher than I am. The more you practice, the more the things I'm saying will sound familiar and they'll sink in better. So it's got to be like you do two things at once. Like it's not, um, college where you go and you read a whole textbook and then you take a test. This is a hands hands on thing. You've got to be getting your hands dirty as you're learning. Um, so often I'll tell people who get frustrated and they ask these very specific questions and I'll say, okay, here, I think maybe this, Well, look, just, just go do some more roasting and then come back and then look at this differently again, you know, because you, you get in the weeds of, um, figuring out these, these minute things. Uh, and, um, It'll kind of frustrate you. You need to just kind of keep making it fun. Um, and you know what? All that coffee that you're blowing through uh, as you're practicing and trying things, I guarantee is going to taste better than anything your friends, family, post office worker is drinking. <laughs> so give those away. They're going to love you for it. Um, man, how much goodwill do you have around the, uh, <laughs> when you're just like passing out coffee left and right, hey, For try sure. this. To what you yeah. think? Yeah. You know, yeah. so like it's, it's not just like a zero sum, like, oh, this coffee's going in the trash. You know, it's going to be way better than anything you're buying in the grocery store, even if you're messing it up and not naming exactly what you want, you know? Right.
0: right. So, they, um, so let's say someone does bump up from the fresh roast and man, mm-hmm. I would asked you this question too. So, going from the fresh roast to let's say the hot top and then, moving up like what steps would you take in your experience obviously we don't want to you know have any biased opinions kind of we just kind of give someone probably the standard answer what they uh what route they need to go um
1: yeah i and i i try not to have bias because i only sell two roasters uh and that's i would sell more if uh (laughs) i could afford the inventory cost on selling ilio bullet um so i don't sell that one but it's still the one i use all the time that's in that upper tier like um not a shop level roaster but not you know but but above um it's got more capacity than the hot top at twice the price right but at that point you're talking about um and, uh, maybe I'm indirectly answering your question, but I think that's the next uh, step a lot of people assume to go from, right? Right. Oh, I'm ready to move up to something else. Well, the hot top is a great little roaster, but you got the same capacity as the 800. Um, you sure you get to start using artisan, but you could have done that with the 800 too. Uh, if you just made some simple modifications. Um, you know what I mean? I just don't really see the value in dropping that on the way down the road. Right. And I don't want to crochet a hot top. Like, seriously, Uh, I don't, I don't sell them not because I don't like them. It's just because I don't see them making sense with what you can do with what we already have. And that doesn't mean they're not great. They're awesome. They're cool. Um, it's, it's an aesthetic, it's a style, man, go for it. If that's what you're looking for, you know? Um, but yeah, the next progression for me would probably be there's a new one. the, the uh, And I think it's either Kaleido or Kaleido M10 sniper uh, is another option from the ILEO bullet. Uh, and I don't have as much, I don't have any time on that one, but um of all the people that I'm speaking to who did get one who I trust their opinions, uh, it's pretty glowing. Uh, so okay. that looks like another great alternative um, to the bullet. Um, but yeah, what you're looking for, right? You need increased capacity. Um, most people, are looking for increased capacity if they're going to upgrade. Um, You know, last time in front of the roaster, Um, you know, maybe they're trying to sell at the farmer's market or maybe they're trying to find that next step on the way to like a big gas fired drum. Well, you need a drum that's super close to being gas fired. You know, it's got, it's electric, but the firebox is underneath. Like it operates in all the same ways, the same basic principles. Right. So you, you need to work on things like perfecting your preheat temp because preheating is, has so much bigger of a factor in drum roasting than it does in air roasting. It's the single biggest variable you have to learn if you swap is preheat. Um, and things like that, you know, like it's, it's the next actually useful upgrade in my mind. Um, uh, right. you know, you get so much more connectivity. Um, and there's a really, really active Uh, I, I saw, I think James Hoffman said this on one of his videos, you've mentioned him. Um, and, uh, he said, uh, you know, at some point I'm, I'm going to have to actually do a video on home roasting, but in the meantime, let me just, I keep getting asked which roaster to buy He's like, I think that's less important than looking for a vibrant, active, um, community around the roaster. Um, and the Ilya Bullet." Community is very active. Um, they on Roast World, uh, that's their sort of platform. They're super active. You can go and click other people's profiles, try it. They've got a really active Facebook page. Um, you know, they're active on Instagram. And um, same with the A800. You know, when I was looking for learning and, and like going on a home barista and stuff, there's a lot of people there using the SR800 there's a lot of Facebook groups. Um, now there's some more YouTubes, uh, <laughs> but, uh, there's another guy who does amazing YouTube. Um, he's in Germany and, uh, he is, uh, roast rebels. He's making videos for ILEO bullet. I highly recommend him looking to that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, then James's point was like more than anything you're going to need support and more than just what the manufacturer can offer. So look for a roaster that has a vibrant and active community. Um, right, and the bullet definitely has that for sure. That's why.
0: No, I'll go ahead. No, really no so as uh. far as the I, I think I've been looking into that a little bit more as well. Mm-hmm. After we had had our conversation, um, I think that would be the next step up for for most home roasters that aren't willing to go out and buy a huge mill city roaster. You know, right. Or, or you know, if they don't even plan on moving to a commercial, I've seen that a lot too. I've seen a lot of people are like, you know what? I'm roasting. I'm buying the big roaster, and they don't even plan on going commercial. And they just have this huge roaster in their garage. Oh, I've
1: got I've got customers who have like eight thousand dollar middle cities in their house. Man, is crazy to me. I'm like, I mean, that's that's awesome. You've got the money and you found the thing you love, and that's you know what I mean. I'm not here to tell somebody to spend their money, but yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah, you definitely have to count
0: for that. Like there are going to be outliers. Right. So all this stuff will be linked below as well. So any of you guys that want to purchase any of the equipment that we had mentioned in this podcast, it will all be linked below for this video. All right, David, it's been awesome talking to you. We dove into a lot of topics, your bio, and all the information anybody could want about starting home roasting. So this this was really awesome. And I appreciate you sitting down talking with me. Oh, thanks for having me,
1: man. I hope, um, you know, we want to talk more about something else we missed? I'll be happy to come back.
0: For sure. 100%. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. I'll see you next time.